the wind is blowing so hard with such ferocity that at any moment the eucalyptus tree above my office could come down and crush me like a bug. But I am not afraid because I have the power of all my listeners. You are my shield, you are my sword, and therefore I fear not the wind. That is why I'm able to do the show during the Santa Anas. This is episode 115 of Psychotherapy, and I am your ghost, Jet Dunlap. I know what I said. Immortality. The pandemic. Politics. The new year. My dreams. And you. All topics of this episode. We dive into places we have divin before, but in a way we haven't. I explore the idea of immortality through invention that has come out of this pandemic year. I give you the tools or the ammo or the lessons to push your life into a reality of your design. And I'm going to do that with you. I challenge you in ways that if you've been listening to this for a hundred or so episodes, you'll be willing to do that you weren't in episode five. And that's called progress. This episode has power, but I'm not sure it has a lot of cohesion. But if you've buckled in, have your safety restraint on, and know this show already, you're ready for a ride that is typical for what I do. I will continue to fight for the higher purpose that you have desired your entire life. As long as you have ears to listen, I have words to speak. And with that, I give to you the episode that follows this last statement. Something you learn from writing a lot is you have to do it over and over again. Some of you did this in grade school and high school, and this is not foreign to you at all. You're thinking, Jet, I knew that by the time I was eight. Well, now that we're completing a year, and actually two years because I started my essays in 2018, I see how difficult it is to keep going over your creative work and finding things that you could do to retune it. Now, I realize at some point that I'm going to put out the best version of what I have. And I'm not someone who looks at what I write as precious. I constantly change it. But when it is the one that's good enough, that's the one I go with. I don't expect perfection, but I know what resonates and I know what doesn't. I know what's ready and I know what's not. And what's ready is almost never perfect. How could it be? That notion is impossible unless we're talking about math. So redoing things, starting over. I've started over on this episode a bunch of times because I can't seem to get the notion of the pandemic down without slurring my flirts. I've been talking about how this has been such a unique experience for humans, definitely the ones who are alive today. Not meaning everyone who's alive is experiencing that. What I mean is, whether you're... Kids from 1 to 92, so anyone from 0 to 1, obviously, out. 
and 92 and up out from that Christmas song. Though it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. It's always better when those jingles come in. Dun, 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 dun. If you're listening to this in July, I just blew your mind. But what I'm saying is that age diversity range, no matter how old you are, my grandmother, who is in her late 80s, she's never experienced this. A child in their twos, let's just say that's a year. <laughs> how old's your kid? Two, one, four. Oh, okay, that's normal, Jet. No matter what age, this is new. This is different. This has not been experienced. Diversity of experience is important. What will come out of this year will be like no other year. Necessity is the mother of invention. Why do you think so many companies came out of WW2? We had to do what we had to do then, and a lot of inventions came out. The only difference is this was real necessity. We either die in this country or we keep living. We go outside in masks for the rest of our lives or we go back to normal. So there was a huge necessity to change things. Now that's on the biopharmaceutical world side of this. There's another part. The planting of this experience in the minds and hearts of this country and everyone who's alive right now. Is there any question that if a meteor was going to hit our planet, that the world would unite financially and scientifically to eliminate that? This is why people love global threat movies so much. In those situations, there's a unification of all nations. There's a cohesion. There's a shared threat. So at the beginning of this year, when the executive branch of this country, I won't say who it is, but it is 2020, was giving us false information just to benefit their political career, it was a little confusing because it even violated our understanding of fiction. Even writers didn't think that. No one wrote the movie Deep Impact or Armageddon and said, oh, but at the same time, the president will be denying there's an asteroid. That wouldn't make sense. That's counterintuitive. But humans are counterintuitive. You ever had an argument where you're the person or the other person is the person, where it's completely irrational? I'm not defending what happened in the White House this year, but I am saying that I understand it. Humans are weird. Our motivations are strange. And unless you've walked a mile in their shoes, you don't know what makes them tick. And then there's also insanity and super egos and people who only want money. But I'm off track, so I'm going to get back on. When the pandemic first started, I said to you folks, your lid for reality has been removed. Now, the problem with humans is this. I've had experiences that if I described him to you right now on this show, you would be shocked. And it wouldn't make sense. You'd think, that's impossible. It's been written about, but we, you know, chalked it up to hyperbole. And we said, well, that was a fiction. It may have been real, the people who wrote about it. You sleep on it, the next day it's going to be normal. That's just how we are. That's how we are built. So we absorb it. We will compartmentalize this year. You could take that unreality, and that's what it is, unreality, and you could say, can I bend the physical existence that I believe I was destined for? It's a big question. There's a couple of books written about this. But we never had an analog like this to show that the impossible is possible. 
We're living in a new reality. I have this reoccurring thought. My dreams, by the way, have been insane. For three weeks, I have not had a night without a dream. And they're all vivid, and I write about them. The other day, I was walking around, and I suddenly saw myself at my parents' house in Silver Lake when we were young. And I was a baby. They were not the same age as me because, you know, that wouldn't work. And I remember putting my teeth on the edge of this crib. There was this plastic edge to the top of the wooden crib. And I remember putting my mouth on that and holding the sides of the crib. And I remember facing towards the windows of this room in the apartment I was in. And I remember rocking back and forth and going, Mommy, where are you? And I remembered almost hypnotically, which might be a part of my hypnosis training that I'm able to just kind of fly into these worlds of my past. And I remember looking around at that age. I'm going to guess I was like three or four. I remember thinking, I'm here again. What is this? I need to get to what I need to do. My earliest understanding of my memories and I keep going back further I keep getting transported to these places in my life just like a cutaway and in every one of those moments when I was living them I was thinking when do I get to do what I'm supposed to do and right now I feel like I'm closer to that than I've ever been in my entire life but imagine that guys imagine if when your first memories existed if you could be hypnotized and you could remember what you were like when you were two or three like I am in this flashback knowing that you knew what you had to do imagine the pressure of that so I felt old probably since I was born that's why reincarnation never seemed that surprising to me I've known things that I shouldn't know I've been able to talk to adults since I was a child and it didn't make sense because I didn't have the knowledge to have it at the time so when I say I feel old I feel very old I feel mm, Yoda old at 800, you look as good, you will not. Remember, guys, I like my Yoda's old. No baby Yoda for me. He's fine, but he's also a mogwai. Have you not noticed that? Baby Yoda is the same as a mogwai. A mogwai becomes a gremlin if you add water or feed it after midnight. So, reality check. Back to why age doesn't matter. So I felt old my whole life, so it's just a condition. I have to realize that I felt old at ages that were preposterous to feel that old, and I feel old now. I felt old at 20. I remember how depressed I was. I felt old at 30 when I turned 30, and then when I turned 30 again. So what I'm saying to you is no matter how old you are, you may have the distortion that I do. It can all start now. Because time is not linear. Boom. Hear it again. Time is not linear, especially when it comes to experience. Your life changes in a second you weren't here on earth then you were here on earth you didn't know that person who ends up being in your life your whole life and then you did that moment that changes everything that opportunity that changes everything that decision that shifted the course of your life that did not happen slowly the events that led up to it sure who knows how many ways those events could have led to that same moment? Maybe they could have. Maybe all roads go to the same trajectory. Maybe they don't. But it all happens in a second. I told you in the last episode that the difference between me being a stand-up comedian and me not being one was one second. 
I told you if you've ever wanted to write a novel. The difference between doing it and not doing it is a second. Once the pen is to paper, you've started. And if you do it for a week, I promise you, you'll feel like you've been doing it forever. And after three months, you'll forget that you've ever done anything else. I've only been writing consistently for two years. Now, yes, I've been writing a journal since I was 13. But over the last year, I can't remember anything other than writing. It has become so much a part of my life. Now, the hard thing about that is that the results come last. (laughs) Am I setting that up by saying that? I don't know. I've also said that I needed 20 years of experience to have 20 years of experience. Experience can only be experienced by the experiencer. You can tell a kid, hey, you idiot, trust me, you'll want to wear a helmet before you go out on that bike. And then once little Billy scratches his head all up, he's like, why did you tell me to wear a helmet? I assume I have no children, but this scenario sounds about right. That experience taught them. At one point, you didn't know fire was hot. You learned. We all learn. They say it's the hard way, but I think it's probably the only way. Knowing something academically and knowing something emotionally is quite different. The loss of someone you love or the love of someone you never knew. Try and write that. That's tough. You have to feel it. So we're all starting at the same moment because we all have this moment. If you have the ears to hear this, and you're 92 or 2, which would be weird. (laughs) Those are weird ranges. Whatever age you are, you have this same moment. You're alive. We're all contemporaries. When history looks at us for the bad, the good, and the ugly, they'll see us all as the same in this moment. They won't go, oh, this guy was 50, this guy was 7, or this gal. They'll see us all as these creatures that lived in this moment. But until then, we can start on the thing we've avoided. Jet, is this just a really long walk to New Year's resolutions? No. Maybe. (laughs) When I started this show last year, I started talking about how starting a New Year's resolution in January is cuckoo nuts. It doesn't make sense. You are starting something with everyone and everyone is going to tell you it's okay to fail because when they tell you it's okay to fail, it's okay for them to fail. So if they say, Susan, my go-to person when I'm using examples, Susan, it's okay if you don't go to the gym today. I'm not going to go to the gym either. Let's just have these cupcakes. Poor Susan. Gina and I have started on this beach body thing, and I'm not going to go into the girl Autumn that I spent way too much time talking about last week, so there's no need to speak to it anymore. Here's the point. This fitness routine by Beachbody, not a sponsor, we've been doing it now, I want to say like six days. Since day one, so after day one, the Santa Ana winds have been hitting at about 20 to 30 miles per hour, knocking trees down, knocking down limbs. Gene and I have no indoors. We do. It's an RV. It's like a very thin hallway. Think about a submarine. Try and do calisthenics in a submarine. I dare you. Well, in space they do it. Yeah, but in space they can utilize that whole area. You know, they're floating. We don't float in our RV in case you thought we do. So we can't do it in our RV, so we have to do it outside. And it's windy, and it's cold, and it sucks. And sometimes we're so busy with school and work and writing that we have to do it at night. Gina goes, okay. And I said, yep, it's that time. 
We take out the TV that used to be in our bedroom that we've never actually used. We've never used a bedroom TV in our whole relationship because we just watch TV and then when we're done, we go to bed. We go to bed at the same time as we always have. Wake up at the same time as we always have. Probably pretty not normal, but uh, that's how it is. So we took the TV out of there and we put it in my office. And then every day we take the little TV out and we put it on the bench. We start the video and then we work out. All this stuff has to be put together and deconstructed. You probably have a room where there's a TV. You probably have access to an area that is uh, not two feet by 20 feet. We have a living room, bathroom, bedroom, all the same thing. A little door there, but two. The other day, I'm like, this is brutal after we got done with it in the wind and it was horrible and ugh. I said to Gina, it's good you did this. And she said, I can't not do it. She probably put that more eloquently. But what she said was, I know you're going to do it. And I'm not going to let myself not do it when you do. She said, you're going to do it no matter what. That's not what you have at the office. You don't have people in your life normally who are going to set up all that stuff and end up doing a thing that's outside that's difficult under all those circumstances. If you do, great. But the reason I'm mentioning all this is that I am a person who has resolve, but I am also given motivation by the fact that people see me a certain way. Isn't that interesting? So I am motivated by myself through other people. Crazy. You can do the same thing. Eventually, if you stick with a path long enough, people will see you as that thing. Even if it's like three months, they're like, Susan's been going to the gym for three months. She's such a gym rat. Now, Susan never went to the gym in her whole life, but people just see what they just saw. Next year, you'll be forgetting about the pandemic. Pandemic what? Smoking a cigarette, flicking on the ground. I don't know nothing about no pandemic. Now you sound like a person who committed a crime who's pretending you didn't know what happened. But you understand what I'm saying. Use that to your advantage. Be the person who motivates other people. And then the fact that you motivate other people will motivate you because of you. I am more motivated to do this workout because Gina sees me a certain way. Because my friends see me a certain way. We found out that Beachbody is a referral business. You can sign up to be a coach and then people can purchase the programs through you. And uh, Gina said, I could see someone making money by losing weight and then referring people. Because I've done that with Weight Watchers. And she said, but you wouldn't, Jet. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, no one's going to think they can do what you do. I felt, that's not fair. Sure they can. She goes, no, no one sees you as a person who does stuff that's relatable. That is inspiration for me. I remember when people related to me three, four years ago. I was sober for a long time. Before that, I was a runner, even when I was drinking 10 miles a day, all month. I remember one day I was outside, had a couple of beers. Remember, that's what I do when I'm making an alcohol reference. And someone had said something, or maybe even I set it up, where they're like, hey, look, you and your friend have dad bods. And I thought, oh, no. For those of you Family Guy fans, I am being compared to people. That's a problem. At that moment, when I was just a normal guy, Joe's six-pack, I was out of shape, and people were saying I was like people. People liked me more. People saw me more. I was not an island, but I like being an island. I like broadcasting my pirate signal to you folks. I was out of alignment with who I know I am supposed to be. 
so I became what I am again. When Gina said I'm unrelatable, that's tough on most of my businesses, on most of my relationships, but it's good. I was reading the other day some book on spirituality, and it talked about how some folks need to go to the top of the mountain to tell other people what the view is like. Other people won't do it. Many of you listening to this right now have that in you. Now, most of you will stay social. You won't be me. You don't need to be an island. But you have this seed of special, this seed of potential, and you're surviving 2020. There's been a lot said in this episode, a lot of stuff that goes a lot of different ways, a lot of information. And that's mostly what this show is. Sometimes it has a very cohesive message that runs the spine of the episode. Sometimes it doesn't. But here's the point. This year, it was the test of years. Next year is the comeback. Next year is the scene in Rudy when Rudy gets to make that play. Next year is the scene in The Natural where he knocks the cover off the ball. Next year is your year. You've had other years where you've said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn another language. I'm going to learn guitar. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. But this story wasn't good enough for you. You said, you know, obviously in your higher consciousness, because we mortals don't understand timelessness, but you said in your higher consciousness, no, Susan, I've been waiting for 2021 to change everything because then the story is incredible. Did you hear what Timothy did after the hardest year ever? He came out and was a new person. You needed it to be dramatic. You needed a big reason. Here it is. If you wait till January 1st, you are a fool. And my listeners aren't fools. They are tall, beautiful, elegant, sexier than most. They smell good at all times. So I know you folks are capable of this. Start now. Because if you start now and you come off the wagon a little bit, you can go back. You can tweak your trajectory. And by the time January hits, people will be like, what's your New Year's resolution? You go, I already started, Mamma Jamma. I'm already in a routine. Come January 1st, you are killing it. And you won't stop. Because everything's a habit, guys. Tons of books written on this. I'm not going to tell you. But everything is. For some people, it takes three days. For me, it takes a decision. I told Gina, this will be the last thing I talk to you guys about because it's ready for this episode to end and my words are almost out. The word meter has run out of words in a moment. But here's what I told Gina the other day when she was on set. I said, I have decided to be stronger than I've ever been before. Hmm. Buffer, bigger, harder, faster, Daft Punk. I decided and she knew that was law. That's how I am now. But it wasn't overnight. It took a long time. How would you like that? If you could come to decisions that are positive in your life that have that kind of resolve, you can. By the virtue of you listening to this, you are willing. And I'll keep helping you. That'll be next year. That'll be every episode. I'm always here to help. I'm happy to help. Because you guys help me. You motivate me to be a better me. Like in the movie, As Good As It Gets when Jack Nicholson is going to tell Helen Hunt 
a compliment. And she's been waiting the whole time. Do you guys know this movie? As good as it gets? Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt. He's about to pay her a compliment. He says, I got a good compliment. You make me want to be a better man. You guys make me want to be a better man. Thank you so much, folks, for listening. I am now at the end of my words. And I will talk to you next time for Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap. Good night.